This is your friend Daffy Duck, and you're listening to This Means Podcast with my good best friend, Jonathan Graves. He hasn't had me on the show yet, but I'm sure that day is coming soon. Any minute now. Any minute. Are you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello, and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Graves. And with me today is film buff Matt Jacobs. Hi, Matt. Hey, Jonathan. Great to be here. Welcome back to the show. You have been on a number of times. I think you might be our longest-running guest. Really? Well, always fun to show up and talk tunes with you. It's a blast. It is, and I enjoy having you on. I bring you on because today we are going to be discussing some classic Looney Tunes that have inspiration from classic nautical adventures on the high seas with Mutiny on the Bounty as influence of two shorts. And I cannot wait to talk to you about those. But first, I'm going to run down some quick Looney Tunes news because Bugs had his big 80th birthday celebration recently, and they have, well, Warner Brothers has licensed out a bunch of new merchandise to Box Lunch and Hot Topic specifically in the form of new t-shirt designs. These have new Looney Tunes designs on them from the new Looney Tunes cartoons, which is currently on HBO Max. This also has a classic look at the Looney Tune babies, baby Looney Tunes, uh, which is fun. And you also get really inspirational things that are around these characters, like be brave and put your best foot forward. I, I don't remember what they all say, but they have some really, really fun designs. And there, there's a lot to love with this new collection. I will definitely be tracking them down. Yeah, I've taken a look at a bunch of them, and it's fantastic stuff. It's a really great mashup of just classic designs with new interpretations on the characters. Yes. Obviously, a lot of you know very cogent and inspirational content in these designs. And I, I've been really impressed uh, lately with what they've been putting out at Box Lunch lately. Indeed. I love going to Box Lunch because of the fact that you can find really rare fandoms represented on clothing or on blankets or on baby clothes like you you have a really great source there and if you haven't found a box lunch i'm sure you can order online as they have all of their inventory available to you know especially during these times during this pandemic that we're currently in uh, you can order online and get your swag that way but yeah, I'm excited about what they have to offer, and I'm glad that we're seeing Looney Tunes in stores again. Do you know how long it's been since I've seen a good Bugs Bunny shirt? Uh, I am not aware. Uh, ballpark it for me. About two years. Two years. Yeah. yeah. But I digress. The next thing, as far as Looney Tunes news goes, is that there is a wonderful project I found on Twitter where there are amateur animators looking for contributors for a reanimated version of What's Opera Doc. 
So they are taking it upon themselves. It's a two-year project, they're estimating, and they're looking for animators to join in. If you are interested, please go to at WOD Reanimate on Twitter for more information and maybe put your drawings in there for consideration and be a part of that project. I think that that is going to be really fun. I remember a couple of years ago, it might have been like six years ago now, a refilmed and amateur style remade version of RoboCop that was hilarious. And I'm hoping that with the talent that they can pull, they will make something that is respectful to what came before, what Chuck Jones did in, uh, back in the 1940s. I absolutely love these online collaborative projects. I think it's the absolute best of what the internet offers people in terms of finding a community, creating something with a collaborative spirit. And the terms crowdfunding and crowdsourcing get tossed around so willy-nilly lately. But one of them that I've always particularly loved was an incredible animation collaboration recreating the classic short, The Dover Boys, where I believe they had upwards of 30 different animators uh, each uh, put together a few seconds in this, you know, very strange and odd and, you know, very wacky old cartoon. Yes. But I love projects like this. I think that it's, uh, it's exactly what in the better uh, world the internet was designed and created for. Absolutely. And I wanted to quickly correct myself. It was 1957 that What's Up or Doc came out by Chuck Jones, not the 40s or the 30s. I don't remember what I said. Unforgivable. <laughs> <laughs> I should know by now, right? Like I, these dates should be in my head, like ingrained, like I'm, my name. I mean, ideally, but you know, we, we, make, we make do. <laughs> exactly. And Lastly, I wanted to give a shout out to Genes for Genes. This is a UK fundraising organization for children born with genetic disorders. They have partnered up with Warner Brothers to create a commemorative shirt design where it's a golden outline of Bugs Bunny, uh, also celebrating his 80th birthday. But it's specifically for those involved in the Charity Foundation. And if you want more information on that and find out where to join, that is www.jeansforjeansday.org. Uh, that is jeans as in J-E-A-N-S, like the ones you wear, for jeans like the ones inside of our bodies. So it's a very good organization. And uh, they have a, a specific day that they're going to represent, which is in September. But I, I saw that there were pictures of the shirts and people are supporting it now. And I wanted to get the word out as soon as possible. It's always super inspiring to see people use their love of these classic characters to accomplish a lot of real good in the world. And I love that Warner Brothers is supporting it. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's a, definitely a feather in their cap. Indeed. So speaking of... Those caps that pirates wore, what were those called? Did they have a specific uh, name? Bicorn, I believe, is the uh, the type that uh, the Captain Bly is wearing in the uh, Bugs Bunny representation. But I'm sure there's a, a more correct term, and I'm sure there's tons of different slang terms. And I will preface this by saying, even though I did grow up in Larchmont, even though, you know, race week out there is one of the most famous boating events in the country, 
I've never been a particularly nautical guy. I know a little bit of sailing. I went to sailing camp, which is a very <laughs> embarrassing thing to admit. But I've, I've never been as much a nautical fan, but I am an incredibly big fan of the kind of history and mythology and lore of the, you know, the, the history of the British Navy, the Captain Horatio Hornblower novels. Most recently, uh, one of my favorite uh, historical fiction series is set during the Napoleonic conflict. So it's a lot to deal with the specific culture and the specific history of the British Navy in particular, which is a fascinating kind of organization with so many idiosyncrasies, rituals, rules that, you know, it, they really draw on in all of these shorts and in, of course, Mutiny on the Bounty in particular. Yeah, and we can't forget the most modern version of Pirates, which is Pirates of the Caribbean. Not only the Disneyland ride, but the franchise, which has been going on for five films already. And there's a sixth one already in the works. It's a never-ending franchise. There's always pirates in pop culture. And I think that they have a very unique design. They have a, a aesthetic that is intriguing to a lot of people. And they have just this exotic nature about them. And they were obviously horrible, horrible people. And we don't condone pirating at all, whether it's on the internet or on the seven seas. But I really do like that second Pirates movie. Yeah, no, not to, you know, endorse anything that the British Navy was up to, you know, up to and including, you know, all sorts of horrible things, press ganging and beating people and all those horrible, you know, all those fun activities to all keep horrible. a ship on, a, on sea for two years. But it, <laughs> but it really was a massive part of pop culture, uh, you know, especially before the advent of really popular science fiction genres. These were the stories about long journeys, exotic places, unknown periods of activity followed by violent actions uh, in kind of this desperate struggle. One of uh, the movie that put Errol Flynn on the map, Captain Blood, fantastically classic uh, movie about the Navy, its cruelties, pirates, of course, because there's a lot of piracy you know, just injected into both of these shorts we're going to be discussing. Yes. I've never actually seen that. Uh, what was it called? Blood on... Blood. Captain, Blood. Captain Blood. Fantastic movie. First time Errol Flynn uh, was in a leading role. Uh, first sword fight with Basil Rathbone. Ooh. who's just an absolute joy to see him uh, fight with a sword. First time uh, of his romantic pairings with Olivia de Havilland which, of course, would be repeated in the famous Robin Hood, where he played Robin Hood and she played Maid Marian. And she recently passed away recently. So. She did, 105 years old. I'm ashamed to life. say that I was unaware that she was still with us, but she really was a, an amazing person in the history of this classic Hollywood period. Through the 1950s, she just was, uh, you know, she was a titan. Yeah. Well, we're not talking about Captain Blood, but we are talking about a captain that would make the blood boil of those that are on his ship in Mutiny on the Bounty, which was a 1935 film. And this film won the best picture for Warner Brothers. So it only makes sense that their animation team would do a cartoon that reflected that legacy of such a, such a milestone. 
We are going to be talking about Buccaneer Bunny. This is a 1948 Frizz Feeling cartoon. And I, I really love the timing in this. There are so many good jokes and it comes at you at such a quick, rapid pace and it never overstays its welcome. They do so much with so little. But this stars Bugs Bunny and Seago and Sam, not Yosemite Sam, Seago and Sam. I believe he was a, a distant cousin, you know, probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, from, from the English branch of the, um, the Sam family. Indeed. And this one had both Michael Maltese and Ted Pierce as the writing team. And whenever those two are together, I mean, even whenever they're not together, they're brilliant. But when they're together, they're extra brilliant. And I love the fact that you have this. This is where you have the classic Charles Lawton, Captain Bly impression, which is the lead character. He's an arrogant captain on this brutal ship in the movie. And Bugs does an impression of him, which you would never know as a kid growing up in the 80s or 90s because it was long after that actor had faded away. And it's, it's really funny to me, we were talking a little bit before the show, that you can have a caricature be one of a specific actor, but another actor had already come along, had starred in the remake, and then had a... A legit career that spawned many, many decades and in their latter years reflected what they were parroting back in the 40s. It's, it's just kind of weird to me. But um, <laughs> that, is, that is a really roundabout way of saying that this parody has stuck in people's minds and is so famous that it is now being introduced into the world of mayhem for gamers, but also Looney Tunes fans of the modern era to be introduced to them. Yeah, I think it's definitely an example of the trope surviving the specific role, the character. I mean, the idea of the overly authoritarian sea captain has become just so much a part of the cultural zeitgeist that it's an instantly recognizable form character. Although I, I do love that the one thing that they kept, aside from this fantastic naval outfit that they have on uh, Captain Bly Bunny, uh, is that they kept the Charles Lawton lips. Yes. And the voice that he does uh, in Buccaneer Bunny when uh, Seagoing Sam immediately snaps to attention and recognizes Captain Bly. He's not even subtle about it. It is very much a Charles Lawton voice. And just for the people who don't know, Charles Lawton, amazing actor. He was in this. He was in Spartacus. He was... Was he Spartacus? Uh, he was. In, he was not Spartacus. He oh, was okay. Crassus. Oh, okay. Um, and also, like, uh, playing to form is, like, the stuffy old Roman senator. Uh, he was in Advise and Consent, which I think is still the best movie ever made about politics. And I believe that the only movie he ever directed was Night of the Hunter, which is just a seminal classic film. It's Southern Gothic, it's horror, it's got Robert Mitchum in it, and it's such a fantastically done, prescient, and really ahead of its time movie. So the guy was a genius. He was one of the biggest stars of his day. Sadly, you know, kind of faded from the cultural consciousness, but definitely- now he's back. Right, in, a, in, in digital online game <laughs> format. I, I, I think he would have gotten a kick out of it. I really do, because he was very, 
He was very. He was one of those classic English actors that always considered acting as more of a business than a fame game or mm. a thing. Obviously, you know, had his problematic bits too. But he would. He basically dominated so much of the cultural consciousness back in the classic Hollywood era, and he has one of the best voices. Just if you want to fall in love with classic movies all over again, you just listen to this guy deliver some lines. And circling back, I have been recommended to see Night of the Hunter so many times, and I have still yet to see it, but I am going to make a point to see it during this quarantine time. I think it's a necessary film for uh, for all film buffs because it's one of the best shot movies for its time. It's incredibly horrifying, and it's a very cynical movie in a very fantastic way the execution is off the charts if i can find my copy i am sending it home with you tonight oh thank you i look forward to that so yes this short runs about seven minutes and it's just it's got such visual and vibrant animation uh and there's so so much conveyed through the humor they do this setup where bugs starts off in the hole as always yosemite is hiding treasure and the treasure is popping back up out of the hole. And then one of the times that it pops up, Bugs pops up with it, and he's covered in jewelry. What's up, Doc? What's up, Doc? I ain't no Doc. I'm a pirate. Seagorn Sam. The bloodthirstiest, shoot em firstiest, doggone worstiest buccaneer has ever sailed a Spanish main. Now give me them jewels. Them's my treasure, and I'm a burying them where no one will know where they're at but me. Uh-huh. And me. He looks good in jewelry. I gotta say, this this might be one of the earlier cases of Bugs Bunny and Drag. Uh, I'm reminded of the famous 30 Rock line... Uh, who doesn't love a dude in a dress? Those are always the funniest Bugs Bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are great moments. This is actually late in his drag career. Or not late, but in the middle of it. Because oh, uh, he started drag pretty early. It's, it's always been kind of one of the, the hallmarks of his character, that he's always been very comfortable slipping in and out of, you know, random women's clothing. But it's, uh, it's definitely played for laughs, and... It is a fantastic comic opening yes. because it very much sets the tone for the entire piece where you essentially have uh, Seago and Sam chasing him around and Bugs is always one step ahead of him. Exactly. And so even though you've got the business of him throwing the trunk out again and the chest goes in again and the chest goes out again, you realize, oh, he hasn't just been you know tossing stuff at him. He's been robbing him, too. This has a cheat in it that I really love because it is classic and loony. Like, it's just loony. There's no other word to describe this. Bugs grabs a paddle boat and he oars himself to a ship, a giant ship. But the, the boat is connected to the land. And he just takes the oars and he just oars his body after the boat has snapped back. And he makes it to the ship, puts the oars on the side of the ship... And then you see Sam running. He looks at the boat. He sees that the oars aren't there. So he jumps in the water and swims to the ship, grabs the oars, and then jumps back in the water, swims back to the boat, unhooks it from the land, and then 
and then oars himself to the ship. It is so funny. Do you think he was just going to leave the dinghy on this deserted <laughs> island? He needs that. That's They need that thing. I mean, but it is, it's so funny when you actually see it. Because the determination yes. of this guy, because he can clearly just swim back and forth. He doesn't <laughs> need the oars. He doesn't need the boat. He doesn't need a means of conveyance. No, not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I love that joke. I, I think it's ridiculous in all the right ways. We go onto the ship and Bugs has already one-upped him because he is in the full garb of Captain Bly, shouting orders to Sam. Captain Bly! Mr. Christian, look at you, disgrace to the Navy. This is mutiny, Mr. Christian. Mutiny, that is. A master, Mr. Christian, batten down the hatches. Aye, aye, sir. Man the bowsprit, stow the mizzen mast, jive the jib boom, hoist the mainsail, and lower the tattersail. Look sharp, man. Tight the starboard hatch the laywat. Watch and trim the scuppers of the port boot deck. And Sam is following them as quickly as he can because he's trying to catch up to everything that this Captain Bly Bugs impression is, is doing. And uh, then it ends with him saying mutiny, that is. Right, of course, the famous... Uh, so this is the essentially the climax of the film in Mutiny on the Bounty. It's the... Uh, authoritarian martinet captain bligh just berating these men who he's treated like absolute garbage this entire journey beating them punishing them withholding their rations making them go without food and water and when they finally rise up against him he's absolutely indignant there is not a single uh tick of empathy or understanding or admission that anything's gone wrong and it's the famous speech. It's the, Mr. Christian, look at yourself. You're a disgrace, sir. You're a disgrace. It's a, it's a terrible Charles Lawton <laughs> voice, but it's, no, it's, it's, a, it's an okay uh, Bugs Bunny imitating <laughs> Charles Lawton, imitating Captain Bly voice. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. And but, so it, uh, it, really, it, it is played so for laughs, and it just reinstates what a, a big cultural icon that character had become. It was really just a, a guy who became a trope big fan of whenever Mel Blanc gets to inject some other impression on top of his bugs. It's just it's just phenomenal to listen to, but also it's just funny. No, he's fantastic at it. Uh, so real quick, I'm just going to run down a few gags that really stood out to me in this and I really like. Uh, there's the parrot gag, so Bugs is hiding from Sam after this moment, and there's a parrot following him around going, uh, he's in there, he's in there, he's in there, and, you know, uh, doing a parrot I believe it's Mill also doing a parrot. And Bugs finally has had enough, and he goes, Polly, want a cracker? And the the parrot is absolutely over, overjoyed by the idea of having a cracker, and Bugs slips him some dynamite. And he goes, here you go, darling. <laughs> I found that to be just a little bit outré. I mean, dynamite doesn't even look like a cracker. He could have said like a sausage, but obviously it ties into this idea that there are so many established cliches or tropes or whatever you want to call them about the sea, you know, Treasure Island, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, you know, pirates say are pirates bury treasure on islands. Pirates have peg legs. Uh, and it just shows that they really did pull out all the stops and they didn't limit themselves by sticking to, you know, either pirate mythology or British naval mythology or 
any history like that. It just it kind of shows that they were willing to step all over the place in terms of referencing the greater history and the greater you know kind of mythos that the sea provides. Indeed, the uh, the actual line Buck says is "Here ya, sweetheart." Which is even better. <laughs> it's hard to think of a more classic Bugs Bunny line. Right? He's in there. He's in there. Uh, Polly want a cracker? Polly want a cracker. Polly want a cracker. Polly want a cracker. Here, sweetheart. So then you have Bugs in the crow's nest. And the crow's nest turns into an elevator, smashing on Sam and allowing for gags to happen around this setup where Bugs is out of reach. And throwing down a rope, and then Seagull and Sam climbs up the rope, and then back down the rope. Going uh, across the pulley, and then just slams himself back down. The, the thing I love about these shorts is that in this one, and I believe in the other one, the idea of physics as a really malleable and thing that can be played for laughs at a second's notice yes. is completely used by these guys. Whether it's the, the crazy stuff that happens to both of these boats. I mean... The, they get inevitably uh, Sam shoots the cannon through the hull and there's a fantastic bit of animation that I believe they use in both segments where the ship just immediately crashes into the water. Yeah, so th- that happens in the mutiny on the bunny. Uh, in here, Bugs throws down an anvil and uh, and Yosemite or Seagull and Sam, same guy. <laughs> Right, I mean, it's, he's... Same guy, really. Uh, we don't know who he thinks he's fooled. <laughs> Yosemite catches it, and the boat sh- the boat sinks, and only Bugs is left uh, dry. <laughs> yeah, it, uh... But it's also phenomenal water animation. Like, showing Yosemite underwater is something that is truly effective in this, in both, actually, that you actually have really good dynamics of what it would be like for a animated character to be underwater while holding something heavy. And these were some of the first times that something like that was even attempted. I mean, if you look at uh, some of the earliest Hollywood examples, like, you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and, you know, just anything that involves a sustained amount of time spent underwater, a lot of it is drawing on, you know, these segments, Uh, you know, Disney put in a, a bunch of time figuring out exactly how they were going to manage the physics of the underwater. But the Looney Tunes, they are fantastic at animating water, at animating, you know, what it looks like as someone is underwater. And also the sound design is fantastic because you have to distort characters' voices in specific ways. You have to add in a lot of background sound when it comes to the movement of water. And it's just such a phenomenally difficult thing to do if you're an animator, is to simulate what liquid should look like, let alone how an entire ship just plunges into the ocean or the water slides off an oar or the way that a boat looks when it's going through the water. It uh, It's amazing the economy of visual language yes. that they use to portray all this stuff. And also just the set pieces. The ships are gorgeous. The stuff, it really does look like a classical painting in a lot of it. I believe the opening of Mutiny on the Bunny has this fantastic tracking shot that pretty much matches frame for frame 
one of the first shots you see in Mutiny on the Bounty, where you see all the ships docked in port. Mm. And then, of course, it goes over to the nameplate of the ship, and it's the uh, the sad sack, formerly the Jolly Roger. <laughs> right. <laughs> which, in and of itself, is a uh, an inside joke for Mutiny on the Bounty, because one of the reasons the Bounty was supposed to be an unlucky ship is because it had its name changed. Mm. And that was a famous superstition in, uh, in Old Britain, where, you know, a, a ship with a changed name is de facto unlucky. It would be like an actor saying Macbeth. And I could say that because for all my faults, I'm not an actor. <laughs> well, thank you for bringing up the animation. I really wanted to do a quick rundown of who was behind that in Buccaneer Bunny. And that would include Manuel Perez, Ken Champin, Virgil Ross, and Gary Chiniqua. And obviously the music was done brilliantly by Carl Stalling, as always, and the orchestra behind him. Layouts were by Holly Pratt and backgrounds by Paul Julian, the voice of the Roadrunner. And uh, because you brought up Mutiny on the Bunny, let's switch over to that one. That's also a first feeling cartoon and some would also consider it a classic in many ways. Yeah, I think that it definitely, it's a little bit closer to the whole Mutiny on the Bounty premise, even though you don't have Bugs showing up in his Captain Bly attire. Because it begins with, essentially, Bugs being tricked onto the ship, uh, shanghaied by Shanghai Sam, who's his name uh, in this one. Is that racist? I th- I mean, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> on, a, on a certain level, it's just yes. because. But it was also just this random term that uh, became used to describe the old uh, English naval custom of press-ganging. And this is the old kind of cliche where a bunch of tough sailors come into a bar. They find someone who's had a few drinks in him. They knock him on the head and the guy wakes up on a ship the next day, basically bound for India or wherever. And this is how Mutiny on the Bounty starts. The opening scene of the 1935 Mutiny on the Bounty is a uh, it's a scene where Clark Gable, who's fantastic in the movie, uh, he... I believe this was a few years after his uh, It Happened One Night redemption. That makes sense. And I feel like the the entire Looney Tunes team of that time were huge fans of Clark Gable. Like, Clark Gable must, must have been their favorite actor. He, uh, he was fantastic. They do so many references to him. They have his every... I, I think that you could count on two hands the number of references that they have to him based on Gone with the Wind alone. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, and he was fantastic in that. But yes, the opening scene is of him and a bunch of his you know Navy bros going in and just rounding up a bunch of sailors to pack them onto a ship and uh, take a two-year trip to Tahiti. And it's the same way in the opening of uh, Mutiny on the Bunny, which I kind of like because it sets up this neat little dynamic where Sam isn't so much a like a parody of himself. He's not so much a figure of fun. He is a malicious, you know, antagonist to Bugs rather than just someone to set up the jokes. Yes. And in this, there's the only time where, not the only time, but one of the times where Bugs is actually forced to do something that he tries to use reverse psychology to not do, which is to scrub the deck. And he's he's trying to use it and it's cleverly done because it's it starts the back and forth and then it cuts to Bugs just doing the, the doing the activity. And it's one of those times where it's like, oh, 
is this Shanghai Sam, is he like actually going to get the one up on Bugs? Here, you're a swab of the deck. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, I am. I really like the fact that there's more of a back and forth at the beginning. Obviously, it sort of uh, takes a similar pacing track where there's the inciting incident, which is, you know, the discovery of the treasure in the first one, the press ganging in the second one. But in this one, they, there is also, you know, a chase around the ship. There's a lot of shenanigans of bugs sinking the ship over and over again with yes. this fantastic little bit of animation. And at, at the same time, this is where you have uh, Sam running around and you know just using a lot more cannon, using a lot more you know guns and you know just classic navy tropes, just to be absolutely outwitted by bugs. And by the end of it, of course, he's just you know he has uh, he's come out on top. Shocking, I know, but it, uh... <laughs> both times bugs has Sam waving a white flag and surrender. Yes. And I love that. It's it's a good continuity. And I love that in both, Sam is tricked into catching an anchor Bugs is dropping from a higher location. In Buccaneer Bunny, he's in the crow's nest. And in Mutiny on the Bunny, Sam has already gotten onto a rescue ship. And he's leaving the ship. And Bugs calls him back as a, a feminine voice and says, My baby, my baby, save my baby. And it's an anchor dressed as a baby. Like and dressed up in these fantastic, like <laughs> fluffy pink swaddling clothes. And he just tosses the thing overboard. It's great. And both times he falls for it. Sam catches the anchor. It's, a, it, him it, it's so odd. It's so odd to <laughs> examine the moral compass of this guy who. You know, in one case, like Bug says, oh, here, I'll jump. And he just throws an anvil out of the crow's nest. Right. And so, you know, Sam's trying to catch him so that he could then, you know, shoot him or murder him. And then the <laughs> other one, it's him, you know, fleeing a sinking ship and then immediately coming back for a child that neither <laughs> of them, they, they were the only two. My baby, my baby, save my baby. Here, here, catch my baby. One of the other like fantastic <laughs> conceits. No previous recollection of a child or a feminine no, after, woman on this. Well, ship. it also. I mean, and this I think a, a kind of a, a more rare occasion in this one is that as he's running for the lifeboats, Sam zips off and it's his turn to do the cross dressing, where he's all done up in oh, you're right. a Victorian bonnet. I I can't remember off the top of my head if there are a lot of other conspicuous things, but it is a <laughs> it's a fantastic visual image. Just this. The Sam in a dress, full on mustache, like out, like over his, uh, you know, shoulders. Hey, just a minute, you. Women and children foist, you know. Help! Help! Save a poor old lady from a horrible fate! It's played for laughs. It uh, really works. And I laughed. I think that it's phenomenal. I think it's, I think it's really well done. And both have these really strong creative choices because... You are on a ship in the middle of the ocean. Like, you don't have a lot of outside things to play with, but they do such a great job of bringing in everything that could be on a ship is there. 
And it's all done in such a creative way that it never gets old. It adds and adds and builds into a really great climax where you have the, the canon joke. Just the ingenuity of having cannons on your boat and the way that they are used for laughs in both of these. You have Bugs running around the ship and he hides in cannons in Buccaneer Bunny. And he he always surprises Sam by like, there's a cannon there. <laughs> and it blows up in his face. And then in Mutiny on the Bunny, he's using cannons as a form of vitriol, of like going after something and it always turning up against him, as you were saying, blowing up the ship, blowing up their own ship that he's on. And that always having a negative effect on his morale. <laughs> yeah, the uh, and again, it's the creative use of physics because yes. there are a lot of really great scenes where, you know, he fires a cannonball straight up. And you're assuming it's going to come down and, you know, hit the cannon or anything. But it goes two feet to where you expect it, and it just cracks him on the head. Here she comes! Right. It, uh, it's a very good... They definitely must have had a lot of time planning out exactly, okay, so how, what parts of the ship are we going to use? There's a fantastic back and forth where Bugs is uh, throwing matches down into the powder magazine, which is where they keep all the gunpowder. Say your prayers, varmint. No! Why, you crazy doggone idiot? What you trying to do, blow us to smithereens? And, you know, Sam is running in after it, like screaming, oh God, oh God, oh no. <laughs> and he does it maybe twice. And then, and then he warns him he's not going to do it does, again. He does, and he. This is, I think, this is probably my favorite uh, use of expression in either mm. short because after Bugs throws in the final match, and Sam's obviously terrified of what's going to happen. He starts sweating. He starts sweating. He starts like his eyes are darting all over the place. But his actions are really funny because he starts playing jacks. He starts doing things to get his mind off of the impending doom. He does. He like he takes out a yo-yo. He um he like starts just messing around and like fiddling with himself and at the same time bugs who and i i absolutely love every time he does this is in his gloves he's uh filing his nails yes just looking cool as a cucumber <laughs> as this guy's obviously freaking out next to him it's a fantastic uh it's a fantastic like vaudevillian comedy bit the duality of both the the insane versus the the cool and confident like it, it works just on on you know a, a simple level, but it, it really works here because you have such high stakes to it. And <laughs> it makes sense. High stakes, high seas. Uh, <laughs> and yes, whenever the explosion does go off on that third match, uh, it's it's uh, Seago and Sam that takes the brunt of it and Bugs is clearly untouched, unscathed. Right, and it's the, um, I mean, from a certain cast of mind, it's absolutely psychotic. Like, Sam's, like, coming back up with a match saying, like, you could have blown us to smithereens, and Bugs is already lighting the next match and throwing <laughs> it in in front of him. It's, I think it's probably one of the funniest segments in either short. That's fair. That's fair. I think both of these are highly worth checking out, both Frizz Freeling at the top of his game, and obviously 
the animation team of Gary Chinigua, Ken Champin, Virgil Ross, Arthur Davis, fantastic all around. So that was Mutiny on the Bunny from 1950. Um, oh, and both of them end with a very interesting line. So friend of the podcast, Eric Bauza, says that Bugs has never been given a that's all folks. He, he says that's the end sometimes, um, but in these, he's actually quoting other things. So in Buccaneer Bunny, he says, I have not even begun to fight which is a really fun ending line. Where's that from again? So that's actually another bit of uh, Navy trivia. That is a uh, saying attributed to John Paul Jones, who was essentially ah. the, uh, the king of American privateers. He was, I believe he had the first warship uh, in America's Navy, the Poor Richard, being a reference uh, to Benjamin Franklin's famous almanac, Poor Richard's Almanac. And Ben Franklin, as probably everybody knows, was one of the absolute diplomatic superstars of the American Revolution. And he actually helped Jones to secure the funding for this ship, hence the uh, homage. Awesome. Thank you for uh, that insight. And so John Paul Jones was in a fight that he was, you know, very obviously losing at the time. Uh, The British called for his surrender. He signaled back via semaphore, I have not yet begun to fight. Which, you know, goes down as one of the, uh, you know, classic sayings in military history because it's just such a, such a brazen uh, arrogance. And it, it is worth noting, he did wind up winning that battle. Oh, wow. I mean, it, it's such a great quote also. Like, for them to put that in Bugs' mouth is really something. It is, and it's after he, like, uh, takes on this uh, kind of jaunty bicorn, like, very classic-looking uh, Navy hat. Oh, right. And it, uh, it's a very triumphant ending. I believe the, uh, the ending to the other line... I've been and the things I've seen. Come on, come on, step on it. We've still got to make real degenerio. It, it kind of, it's kind of reminiscent of him saying like, "I shouldn't have taken that left toy at Albuquerque." <laughs> but it, uh, it's also just him. And the thing I remember from that ending is it's him being paddled off into the distance it by is. Sam. Yeah. And he's wearing the most like fantastic 1940s boating outfit. He's you got mentioned this looked kinda, a little bit like FDR. It kind of reminded me of FDR because <laughs> he had the, like the those old fantastically uh, sphere like circular round sunglasses on. He has the hat. He's got the he's kind of bundled up in a coat. I don't know. Maybe it uh, it was just a random photo I remember. But he's, you know, just kind of opining on like, oh, all the places I've gone. He's like very much playing it up as, you know, he's very much enjoying the fact that he went, he won against Sam. I love that Bugs comes out on top in both of these, as you expect him to do. But he does it in the second one against higher odds, I think. And it's really a joy to, to see him be triumphant in that moment. It's a lot more of an arc, uh, although I will say the, uh, the first one, or rather uh, Buccaneer Bunny, has a lot of really fantastic comedy to it. And it does, it, as much as it's fun to watch Bugs like, kind of problem solve his way out of what's a very worse situation, it's always fantastic to see Sam just completely belligerent and completely you know, angry and furious from the start, mainly because he keeps getting outsmarted. Right. So both of these I would highly recommend, we would highly recommend watching and revisiting if you haven't seen them in a while. 
So next, we are going to move into the mobile app game, The World of Mayhem. And we've got some news to cover for that game. So in The World of Mayhem, we have a new version, uh, version 19, that includes nifty quality of life improvements. Some of these are, the ones that stuck out to me that I want to highlight are Team Synergies Indicator, which is a way for attacking opponents by joining characters that have similarities in their relationships. So Granny, Tweety, Sylvester, and Hector the dog would all have really great synergy together and therefore be stronger opponents to a team that is mismatched, if you will. So I really like that addition. It allows for more strategy in the game and something I'm very excited about them implementing. Another thing they added was roster filters. You can now filter the rosters in that selection screen by attackers and defenders. Previously, you had to go into each individual character to see if they were one or the other, and now you can just filter out which ones you want. And finally, a surrender button. Just as Yosemite did in both shorts that we just talked about, you can now surrender in the game if you come to a stalemate during battle. This has been requested for numerous amounts of years and months uh, for, <laughs> for various reasons, mainly because when you are growing in the ranks, you come across similarly ranked battles and there are stalemates that you can't get out of other than closing out of the game. And those are very frustrating. So I love that they have implemented a surrender button in there. It's definitely a uh, much needed feature, but I'm gonna be very disappointed if it doesn't somehow involve a character waving a tiny white flag. Because that's that's such a hilarious image. It is, oh my gosh. I <laughs> we should uh, we should get that idea over to them. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole reason why we're talking about Mutiny on the Bunny and Buccaneer Bunny is because of a new character being introduced into the game recently in Bugs' parody of Charles Lawton's Captain Bly. This is a phenomenally looking character design that I think is hysterical, but also respectful of what came before and what was featured in Buccaneer Bunny. You can find him in Tasmania as an epic defender and he has obviously a relationship with outlaws and a rivalry with yosemite sam uh so yosemite sam has multiple versions including sego and sam which is also in the game and also unlockable uh for that area as well the tasmania area which is really fun his design story reads as follows Look at these so-called pirates lollygagging off the coast of Tasmania. What a disgrace to the Navy's good name. Unfit to swab the decks. And that goes double to all you other tunes hanging around waiting for your turn to make yourselves useful. No more of that. I am the captain, judge, and jury here, and you will carry out the orders I give when I give them. Any would-be mutineer on my ship had better be prepared to swim back home. It's a pretty fun design story. His skill sets include the powder keg, batten the hatches. This is mutiny, Mr. Christian. Look sharp, man. Hasty and British resolve. Pretty much a, a total encapsulation of the Captain Black character. And I'll just say from a design standpoint, this is one of the funniest looking tunes. <laughs> and I don't mean that in like a derogatory way. It's, it's such a classic mashup of 
the classic Looney Tunes design with just such a ridiculous idea. It's a, a rabbit in a full-on naval dress uniform yes. with Charles Lawton's lips smacked on there the just as a coda. It. It, 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 <laughs> it's a fantastic job. They, they've done a really great job with this one. The lips are my favorite. And also when it's animated, his lips move in this really funny way. It's just, it's really great all around. And the, Yeah, they really accentuate the, uh, you know, the words as or rather over exaggerate the words that he says uh but it's it's great yeah and the, the special effects and, and the animation that go into his special moves in the game are just phenomenal like the the use of cannons and his ship and everything it's just great so he has good team composition with grand duke sylvester king bugs and chamberlain porky good to know good to know very classy bunch indeed and now a word from our sponsors over at Acme. Acme, it's where you buy your anvils. Hello, sir. This is Acme. How can I help you today? Oh, okay. Let me just transfer you over to that department. Acme Ankas, up, up, and away! Hey, how you doing, Chief? You've reached Acme Ankas. We got the Ankas that don't sink. No, no sinking Ankas over here at all. You can fill your entire house with Ankas. No risk of them sinking to the floor of the ocean whatsoever. You know, you got a boat you need put aside. This is not the product for you, uh, old sport. These Ankas are non-sinking Ankas. Anyways, thanks for dropping us a line here at the Party Favors and Gift Decorations Department. We'll uh, get back to you when we can, uh, you know, but the anchors ain't sinking. Main, main nub of the gist there. No sinking anchors over here. Acme anchors. Get your anchors today from the kids' party supply. You ain't ever seen anchors like this, because they float. Acme anchors is a balloon shop and in no way associated with nautical ventures, deep sea diving boats, and fishing liners. And that will do it for this episode of This Means Podcast. Matt, where can people find you online? Uh, you can hit me up on Instagram. I'm at BoweryBoy, B-O-H-Y. And uh, yeah, pretty much that's my most robust online presence these days. Excellent. So if you listeners out there want to hit Matt up and talk film, you know where to find him. And you can find the podcast on Instagram at This Means Podcast or Twitter at This Means Pod. We're also on Facebook at This Means Podcast where you can follow along with everyday goings on behind the scenes of the podcast. Please like, share, subscribe, comment, and find us online. Rate our show if you are inclined to do so and you enjoy listening to us. And please share it with friends, uh, other relatives of yours that like Looney Tunes and or just really fun conversations about classic cinema. Thanks, Matt, for being on the podcast and discussing all of these wonderful cartoons with me. Thanks, Jonathan. It's always a fantastic time. Let's do it again real soon. So thank you for listening. And that's not all, folks. See you next time. Me and my big mouth.